0: Balloons are most valuable when they're filled and stretched. And and if you don't fill and stretch a balloon, uh, it's really kind of pointless. An empty and inflexible balloon can really kill a birthday party, couldn't it? Or a water balloon fight, know what I'm saying? So we're we're strangely similar to balloons. Uh, We need to be filled and stretched to be at our best. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. The, the Bible is the breath of God, and it's meant to fill and stretch us. We need to be stretched, and sometimes it's very uncomfortable to be stretched, but God always breathes His Word into us with appropriate pressure. And His pressure of truth is always Good. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, and here's the stretching part, teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, all so that we can be competent and equipped for every good work. We need to be filled and stretched to be competent and equipped. This sermon is primarily doctrinal. It's mostly about what to believe and not so much about what to do. But see, what you believe influences absolutely everything that you do. So what you believe is critical here in this passage. This biblical doctrine is extremely important. Today, hopefully, you are filled and you are stretched by the breath of God's Word. And I'm guessing that most of you haven't studied election in great detail. It might be completely new for you. If so, understand that there are many, many other passages about this topic that we just cannot get to this morning. And if you really want to understand this topic of election as it presents itself in the Scripture, you need to study the Bible on your own. You have to do the work in order to understand what God is saying here. So we must be careful now as we move ahead not to trust our emotions or our preconceptions. Instead, we need to be careful to trust God's word, his truth, as he fills and stretches us. So my aim here is to define election... And help you see the kindness of God in election. Define it and show you the kindness of God in it. This marvelous and complex doctrine is thought-provoking. It humbles people and exalts God. And perhaps that's why uh, some people really struggle with this. Human nature craves self-exaltation. God's sovereignty and election irritate prideful and self-sufficient people. So you have to study your heart closely this morning. Our pride will tend to get in the way. And we must be careful with that. We must strive for meekness as inquiring students in the classroom of the Holy Spirit, listening with readiness to believe whatever God teaches us in his word. The best students are ready to be filled and to be stretched. First, I'll try to define election for you, and second, help you to see God's kindness in election from John 17, 6 through 11. What is election, and why must every Christian believe it? Three Greek words, uh, Greek New Testament words are important here, eklektos, eklage, and eklegomai, an adjective, a noun, and a verb. Now, You might find grammar painfully boring. This should be riveting then for you. All right. Maybe you got D's in grammar. Okay? I'm sorry for you. I didn't. All right. So there you have it. Uh, But God communicates through grammar. So don't tune this out. You can't afford to tune grammar out or you can't understand God rightly. Okay, so a little goes a long way here. Don't need to be a grammarian. First, I'm no grammarian either, so you don't feel that pressure. First, an adjective is a word that modifies a noun. The boy held the red balloon. Red is an adjective that modifies the noun balloon. And sometimes adjectives function as nouns. The boy gave red balloons to the good, the bad, and the ugly. The adjectives good, bad, and ugly are functioning as nouns. That's important. The Greek adjective eklektos is used 22 times in the New Testament and most often functions as a noun. Eklektos represents something that has been chosen, something that has been picked out. Okay, It's translated elect or chosen or chosen ones. Most often in the New Testament, eclectos refers to the people that God chose. 1 Peter 2 9 says about Christians, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. God chose certain people. Paul called the Christians in Colossae, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. In Matthew 22, verse 14, Jesus told a parable about the kingdom of God and ended by saying this, for many are called, but few are chosen or few are elect. God calls and invites people to come into the fellowship with him in his kingdom, but he only chooses a few. The elect. A noun is a word that describes a person, place, or thing. The Greek noun ekloge can refer to the act of choosing out or selecting, or it could refer to what is actually chosen or selected. Ekloge appears seven times in the New Testament and is translated election or elect or chosen. God called Paul his chosen instrument to carry his name to the lost. In Romans 9, Paul described how God chose Jacob and loved Jacob and hated Esau. Before, and this is a very interesting part, before either one of them was born and had done anything good or bad. His choice was before. And then it says in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Romans 11.5 talks about God's remnant, a small group, chosen by grace. Two verses later, Paul said, The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Only the elect obtained it. 1 Thessalonians one four, Paul says, told the Christians, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. He has chosen you. A verb. A verb describes an action or a state of being. An action or a state of being. The Greek verb eklegomai shows up 22 times in the New Testament. It means to choose out, the act of choosing out or selecting or picking out. Eclegomai is most often translated chose or choose or chosen. In Mark thirteen twenty, 20, and eklegomai appear together. Jesus said this, And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Jesus used eklegomai twice in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. That's what Jesus said. That's election. One of the most significant uses of eklegomai is Ephesians 1, 4. To Ephesian Christians now, Paul wrote this, even as he chose us, in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Before God made the universe, God made a choice that some people would be saved and therein become, in time and space, holy and blameless before Him, which they only are holy and blameless through Christ who died for them. And God determined that and chose that before the foundation of the world. Paul adds to that to make sure his point is well taken. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Election and predestination serve to take people trapped in the orphanage of sin and adopt them as God's children. Here is what is unmistakable in Scripture God made a choice, God chose certain people. God predestines according to His will, not our will. Because he loves us, and there is a group of people called the elect whom God chose. All of this is good. As mysterious as it may be, it is good, and all of this is plain in Scripture. You must believe in election if you're a Christian, and here's why. Because it's unmistakable in Scripture. If you love God and you love his holy word, you have no choice but to believe the doctrine of election. And I've laid out a, a Bible study for you in your sermon notes. Study that on your own. Look through all the verses and just cry out to God that he'll help you understand. Before we look at John 17, 6 through 11, I, I want to read for you a statement from Article 7 of the Canons of Dort. The Canons of Dort are near and dear to the rich history, and tradition of our church. This is a very important document in our church history, and we're going back to the theological roots of our church. I know that our church is changing, but one of the changes that we're actually doing is heading right back to the earlier tradition of our church, trying to ground ourselves in the roots that we once were and must become again to be faithful to God. So, Listen to this great summary of election from 1618, I believe. I've printed it there. You can follow along. Election is the unchangeable purpose of God, whereby before the foundation of the world, he has out of mere grace, according to the sovereign good pleasure of his own will, chosen from the whole human race, which had fallen through their own fault from their primitive state of unrightness into sin and destruction, a certain number of persons to redemption in Christ, whom he from eternity appointed the mediator and head of the elect and the foundation of salvation. This elect number, though by nature neither better nor more deserving than others, but with them involved in one common misery, God has decreed to give to Christ to be saved by him. Now look at that last sentence again. This elect number, God has decreed to give to Christ to be saved by him. That's John 17. Before God created the universe, God gave people to Jesus to redeem God chose or decreed who would be saved, and Jesus saves every single one of those people. As we listen to Jesus pray in John 17, I want you to watch for God's kindness. Watch for God's kindness. More than comprehending election and figuring it all out, rejoice in election. Celebrate God's kindness in choosing you and bringing you into the security, get this, the security of his fatherly love for you. Election is securing, comforting, hopeful, solidifying of His fatherly love for you. Many professing Christians demonize the teaching of election, demonize what I'm about ready to explain to you. They invent these strange interpretations of the Bible in order to redefine election. To rightly understand election, it requires humility, Bible study and prayer, logic, and, of course, the Holy Spirit. No matter what We feel or think about election. We must bend to the Holy Spirit who will guide us into the truth. So everything that I say, I want you to test with the Scripture. I want you to try to see where I'm getting what I'm saying. So let's go. God chose people from the world and gave them to Jesus to save. This is a massive point from John 17. Jesus said, verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. Can you see the distinction between the people whom God gave to Jesus to redeem and the world? Two specific groups. Previously, we've, we've seen that the world hates Jesus, but his followers love him. And that shows segregation. It's apparent in verse 6 that God gives some people to Jesus out of the world. It was God's choice to do that. The world is people who are alienated and hostile to God. Uh, Notice that the people whom God gave Jesus were at one time of the world. They, They actually belonged to God before Jesus redeemed them. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. Throughout John 17, Jesus is adamant that God gave him people. Verse 2, 6, 7, 9, 11, and 24. And those people are taken out of the world. Ephesians 1, 4 confirms that God chose people before the foundation of the world. Sometime check out Revelation 13, verse 8, and Revelation 17, verse 8. And it might surprise you to hear that names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. Before anything was made, God chose people and wrote their names down in the book of life. And because of his kind election, all of those chosen people will receive life in Christ. And you might hear some preachers say, and I've heard this, and it's completely wrong. They say when someone repents and believes and maybe is baptized, another name is added to the Lamb's book of life. That's not what the Bible says, but I've heard preachers say that in direct contradiction to the scripture. So be careful. Uh, They were God's God gave them to Jesus, and Jesus will save them. Two more key verses. John 13, 1 talks about Jesus loving his own who were in the world. So within the world, you have Jesus' own, his people, those who belonged to Jesus. Then in John 15, 19, Jesus said to the 11, If you were of the world... The world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus chose them out of the world. That is very significant. They were elected out of the world. There is a definite distinction between those God gave Jesus and the world. And all this is going to help us interpret John 17. The Bible teaches that God gave some people to Jesus and not others. And I want you to see God's kindness in that. I want you to hear his kindness in that. I I want to show you 10 ways to see God's kindness in election and how God's gift people are different from the world. Scan down through verses 6 through 11. 6 through 11, notice the frequency of words like they, them, mine, yours. Jesus was referring to the people whom God gave him out of the world, which are, I think, primarily the 11 disciples that he was praying in front of and at least indirectly all of God's people after that. So when I use them in these 10 points, I'm referring to the 11 first, then to all those whom God has given to Jesus. Watch for God's kindness. Number one, Jesus causes them to see God's name. The name of God represents all that God is, and sin blinds people to God. But Jesus overcomes spiritual blindness and causes Many to see God's name. Many people saw Christ's incredible signs and wonders. They heard his teaching. But only a few of them saw God's name through Christ. William Hendrickson noted, "...not to everyone was this name made known, only to those who in the eternal decree of election had been given to the Son by the Father." Hendrickson is right. That's what verse 6 is saying. Jesus manifests God's name to the elect. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 27, No one knows the Father except the Son. And, so in addition to the Son, Jesus Christ, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him you understand that? Are you tracking with that? The only way someone is going to see God and get His glory is if the Son chooses to reveal God's name to that person. Jesus chooses to reveal God to those whom God gave Him. That's God's kindness. We wouldn't know God unless Jesus caused us to see the glory of God in His name. Number two, They are no longer the world. Can we just hear this this morning? Jesus changes people. The disciples were of the world, but they belonged to God, and God gave them to Jesus to rescue out of the world. And so to be rescued from the walking dead of the world and made alive in Christ is lavish grace and kindness. Number three, they belonged to God and Jesus. Uh, verses 6 and then 9 and 10. Jesus prayed, Yours they were. They belonged to God, and God gave them to Jesus. In verses 9 and 10, Jesus prayed, For they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. That's amazing. That's amazing. Corduroy by Don Freeman has got to be one of the best kids' books in the world. It's one of my favorites. I loved that book growing up. And I love to read it still to my kids. Corduroy, the teddy bear, was in the store, in the toy section, and, and he was missing his button, and nobody wanted pure, uh, poor Corduroy, and, but Lisa shows up, and Lisa wanted Corduroy, and so she bought Corduroy, and she took him home, and she gave him a button, and she made Corduroy hers. Who doesn't think that Lisa is so kind and sweet to take Corduroy, who was missing the button, home for hers? Nobody reads that story and is like, she didn't pick that big pink bunny. Look at, read it, read it. It's in there. It's a little scary, actually. I can see why she wanted Corduroy. He was much cuter. It's a heartwarming story of election. Understand why belonging to God magnifies the kindness of God. Why do you belong to God? Election. God wanted to give you to Jesus so you would belong to the Father and the Son. Election is affectionate, election is relational. God didn't wait around for you to choose Him, you never would have. We are, we were. Dead in sin and undesirable, unable and unwilling, yet God wanted us, pursued us, and by his choice took us for himself. Election guarantees that God will have his people. Study John 10 again. It'd be review for you. You'll see election play out all throughout John 10. The sheep belong to Jesus, and Jesus cares for the sheep, his sheep. The world doesn't belong to the Father and the Son in this sense. Are God's people cutting off Christians' heads in the Middle East? Let me answer that very easily. No, because they're not God's people. God has a specific children god is not the father of all it's not the universal fatherhood of god study john 8:44 where jesus told some jews that the devil was their father and these people are carrying out the works of the devil now it could be that within that group of violent aggressors against christianity like paul there might be people god's people in that group that we need to see saved so who will go to them Who will give their head to see other people rescued from the world to belong to Christ? To belong to God is to be loved uniquely by the Father and the Son. Number four, God gave them to Jesus. Point three is true because point four is true. We've already covered this. It couldn't be clearer in verse six and other verses in John. God gave certain people to Jesus. He said it over and over again. Verse five, or uh, number five, rather. They keep the word of God. Now, when you look at the disciples, they strayed from God's word. They were not perfectly obedient. They were a messed up bunch. They were immature. They made mistakes. They sinned, but they loved Jesus. They loved Jesus. They trusted him. Their love and trust were starkly different than the hatred of the world. And as the gospel story unfolded for the disciples their love and obedience strengthened. God's gift people love and obey God's word. Do, do you want to meet a genuine Christian? Do you want to meet one? Here's how. Find the person who hungers for God's word and thirsts to obey everything in it. That's the Christian. See, election fortifies love for God and obedience to his word. Election is the ground from which obedience grows. This is the parable of the sower. Those who belong to God keep his word, they obey. Not perfectly, but by grace and the leading of the Holy Spirit, they obey his word. One of the ways you can know that you have been given to Jesus and that you're among those who have been given to Jesus is to look at how you keep and obey God's word. Number six, they know that everything that God has given to Jesus is from God. Verse seven, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. You see, they saw the intimate connection between Jesus and his Father. there, There was much that the disciples didn't know, much that they were in the dark with, but they had come to know that what God had given Jesus was actually from God himself. They knew his divine power, authority, mission, teaching, good works, love. They knew that God sent Jesus to the world and they knew everything Jesus had was divine. Uh, And notice how Jesus emphasized the Father in that verse. You know, Peter was absolutely right. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Number seven, they receive, know, and believe the truth of God. They receive, know, and believe the truth of God. This point builds on the last one, verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. The, The disciples knew that everything that God had given Jesus was actually from God because Jesus gave the disciples God's words. Every word that proceeded from his mouth was directly from God. They saw the unity of the Father and the Son. God wants to communicate, and Jesus was his mouthpiece. Jesus said in John 12, 49 and 50, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know That his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. It, It was infinitely kind for Jesus to come and to communicate God's word to us, a lost humanity. That's God's kindness. That's God's sovereign grace. He came to us. Or else we would not have known and the disciples received God's word. Election explains why they received his word. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 13:11. To you, to you disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. God gives his elect knowledge. No one knows until God gives knowledge. That's grace. That's gift. That's why, that's why we, we celebrate God's amazing grace. Jesus gave them the words of God. They received the words of God, and they have come to know in truth that Jesus came from God. They knew because truth came to them. That's why they knew They did not ascend to Jesus and figure God out. God descended to them and brought the truth to them. They were not seeking Jesus, nor did they choose Jesus. Jesus descended to them, sought them, and chose them. That was God's kind choice, or else everybody perishes. When the truth came to them, they believed it. But even faith emerges from election. This is a very important point. Please make the logical connections here. Election doesn't cancel out that it was the disciples' faith. Okay? They believed. They believed. It was their faith. But election explains where their faith came from. Okay? Faith and election go hand in hand. See, election precedes. It comes before and guarantees faith. Without election, nobody believes. With election, some believe. That's kind. All right. In John 8, 43, Jesus asked some very angry Jews, why do you not understand what I say? Hey, guys, why aren't you getting this? They couldn't understand the truth. Listen to what Jesus said next. It is because... You cannot bear to hear my word. Or a better translation would be, you cannot hear my word. You cannot hear my word. They were hearing his voice, but their heart was incapable of hearing his word. They couldn't hear. Jesus hadn't given them his word in the fullest sense like he had given it to his disciples. Election precedes and guarantees faith. That's why the Jews didn't have it. And that's why the disciples did. Many Christians say that the foundation that before the foundation of the world, God elected people because he knew that in time and space, he looked forward and he saw, you know what, they're going to believe in me, so I'll elect them based on that. Many people believe that, many Christians. But that is really, really problematic. First, that would make the faith that they have a meritorious work. They're earning the election and salvation of God by their faith. And election would not be based on God's kind and sovereign choice as the Scripture teaches. So we have a conflict there with that view. Second, faith is a gift from God. Faith is given to those whom God has given Jesus. I want to prove that to you. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Just listen. Listen. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, and the referent there is faith. That's what that is pointing for. And this, talking about faith, is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. You can't work for it so that no one may boast. Faith is not a meritorious work. It is a gift of God. John the Baptist said in John 3.27, a person cannot receive even one thing. Even one thing, unless it is given him from heaven. Galatians 5.22 is very interesting. It says that faith is a fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in someone. The Spirit produces faith. Um, let's see here. Acts 18:27, it's when Apollos. Uh, arrived at Achaia. It says, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. Belief is grace, gift. In Philippians 1.29, Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi, for it has been granted to you, or you could say given to you, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Belief was granted It was given as a gift for the sake of Christ. Acts 13, 48 is big here. It demonstrates that election precedes faith. It says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. They believed Because they had been appointed to eternal life. That's what that's saying. They believed because they had been appointed to eternal life. Election precedes and promises faith. The disciples received, knew, and believed the truth of God. Because God and Jesus had chosen them and given them faith. And this glorifies God because God kindly gives us what we don't naturally have, and he gives us what he requires of us, namely faith, so that all salvation magnifies the grace and power of God. The problem with the other view is that it magnifies a human choice, and that's why God would have chosen us, and that gives us a little handle on our own salvation, and it doesn't all magnify God's glorious grace. Election smashes human self-reliance. And that's part of the reason why it's so difficult for independent and self-made people to swallow. This is why I think it's particularly difficult for Americans to swallow. You go into other countries and people receive this doctrine a little easier. Christians. I think that proves true, but obviously I have no way it's not in the Bible. I don't know if that's true, but I think that's true. Get this. Many people prefer religion... To knowing God, to knowing God and following Jesus. Because with religion, they can work for the satisfaction of knowing they've saved themselves. It's something they did. That's why religion is so appealing. Look at the world religions of the world. The world religions of the world, that's completely redundant. All right. Study world religions. It's about the, what we can do to get God to be pleased with us. It's all about us. And with Jesus Christ, their self-reliance and autonomy must be crucified on the cross with Christ. I guess by nature, we don't like admitting we need a Savior. And that pride makes election very difficult to swallow. But this is why election is glorious. It shatters human pride and magnifies God's kindness, which should lead us to the ever-flowing gratitude that God chose us, that we are loved by him for Christ's sake. All right. Number eight, Jesus prayed for them. That night, Jesus didn't pray for the world. He prayed for the people whom God gave him out of the world. And and some of those people hadn't even been saved yet. Jesus lives to make intercession for God's people alone, not the world. Because of the kindness of God in election, Jesus lives to intercede for us. We have an advocate in Jesus Christ because of election. Do you feel loved by God when you hear that Jesus prayed for you? The disciples heard him say, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world. You see, they were chosen by him. And I wonder if at that moment when they heard that, their hearts jumped. He's praying for us. He's praying for me. Man, They were the people whom God gave to Jesus and Jesus was praying for them. Number nine, Jesus is glorified in them. Jesus took a motley crew of simple men and he turned them into missionaries. Multitude of people were saved uh, through their ministry. Christ's glory radiated from their lives. They loved Jesus Christ. They died spreading the glory of Christ. Their stories are still uh, glorifying Christ. You, You can tell who has been given to Jesus. They are the people who live to glorify Jesus in everything. They are the people whose lives draw attention to the greatness of God, and they are overcome with love for God. Jesus is a palpable presence in their life. You see, the world doesn't have that palpable presence of Christ in their lives. In fact, they hate Christ, and their hatred is manifested not just in this violence or something, but it's it's manifested in subtle ways, apathy, other ways, Election is the assurance that our lives will glorify Christ. Your future glorification with Christ is confirmed and held and kept in election. Without it, it's shaky ground. It's God's glorious election. That's Romans 8, 28 and 29. Study that. Election is not a dreadful doctrine or perilously close to blasphemy as Tim LaHaye would believe. It is a wonderful doctrine that comforts the heart and glorifies God. Lastly, number 10, while Jesus is physically gone, they remain in the world. Verse 11, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Jesus Jesus spoke there as if his death and resurrection had already been accomplished, and he was in the process of leaving, yet his disciples would remain in the world, surrounded by people who hated God and them, but there were more gift people out there that were to be saved. And Jesus left his disciples behind to go and get them, to be the light of the world, so that all the elect can be saved. Now, we need to stop here, but we'll pick up next week in verse 11 again, and you don't want to miss next week because it will quiet your soul and strengthen your spirit. I'll leave you with a a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, He that perishes chooses to perish. But he that is saved is saved because God has chosen to save him. If Spurgeon was right, and I believe absolutely that he was, then to know that God chose to save us is to know the greatest kindness which leads to the most joyful worship and praise. And so I'm going to pray very shortly as we transition into worship and praise. And as God's chosen people, if you know Jesus Christ, I pray that election just fuels your joy and worship in God. So let's pray to that end. Father, thank you for being honest with us in your word. We admit some of this is very difficult to understand. We have questions. We're not sure how to figure it all out. So I ask that you do what I cannot do, and that is explain your word and teach your word to your people through the Holy Spirit. I pray that they do work on their own to research this, to dig into their scriptures because the chances are there's probably a good, a good bit of people here who, who really don't know anything about election. They haven't studied it in the Bible. And so I just pray that you lead them into the truth that they may study it. And I pray that election, this wonderful doctrine that comforts us and our security in Christ, that it would lead us to worship you, lead us to praise you, lead us to exalt your sovereign grace. And so as we sing now, I pray that that is what drives us your sovereign grace for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.